everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast of the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there. And we have been in a series where we've been just kind of talking about different um, pieces of systematic theology, the things that, that God has called us to believe, the things that are essential in order to be a Christian, the things that are kind of foundational to Christian living. And last week, we talked about uh, the Bible. We talked about how that the Bible is inspired by God, that the Bible is authoritative, that the Bible is God-breathed, that it comes from God. And because it comes from God, it is sourced from Him. The life in it comes from Him. And, and if that's true, then what we the application point of that is that when I read it, I need to understand that the Bible is speaking to me. And what can happen is you can say that, and one of two things can happen. You can feel completely and totally overwhelmed and intimidated by that and feel like, man, but it's, it's, it's too difficult for me to really understand. Or what but people can tend to do is, like, oh, this Bible comes from God. So then I just read it. And whatever it is I think when I see, when I read it or what I think when I hear it, because the Bible comes from God, that that's, then, I, then I've got the right message. And way too often, we can spend some time talking about the theology and the authority of the scripture, but we don't spend enough time really helping people understand how they personally can understand and apply God's message. And so what we're going to do today, and I promise you at some point, um, and I do this a lot, and I think I've committed myself to, I don't know, a couple of hundred different podcasts over the course of the last few months and saying, hey, we'll talk about that at some point. And we'll do some time where we talk about um, some good Bible study methods. But what I want to do today, while we have just been talking about the, the authority of God's word, I want to give you just a couple of key principles that will help you in your personal walk to be able to read and understand the Bible better. And also how to avoid just kind of some of the really bad habits that I believe that Christians get themselves into of just kind of taking one or two particular verses completely out of context and let them mean whatever they want to mean. And while I'm overcommitting to podcast series that I want to do, allow me to also commit to, I want to take at some point the 10 most abused and misunderstood verses and talk about what they really mean and just maybe just make fun of the really stupid things that people say that they mean. And obviously the first one that comes to mind is when it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is just, it's just the way people use that, especially that we use it for sporting events is just more than I can, they can take. But really we're, we're, we're going to look at one of them today, but not really to, to make fun of people. We'll do that at a different time, but really to more to kind of help us understand the best way for us to read, understand, and ultimately apply the scripture. And this one is found in um, 2 Chronicles 7. And you may have seen this verse before in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If you've driven through the right parts of the country, you may have seen this on a billboard. If you've been to the right type of church on a 4th of July Sunday, you might have seen this first because it often gets used in context to kind of as a as a prayer that America should be praying. And so in Second Chronicles 7.14, uh, it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now, ultimately, we'll end up in a place where we'll recognize that this verse is not about America at all, but that's, that's not, again, that's not necessarily the point of what we're trying to do. What I want us to do is if we see a verse, like I want us to be able just to be really well equipped that if someone uses a verse or we see some verse or we see some passage and we're not really sure what it means or, or somebody's trying to use it in a particular context, that we've got enough skills to kind of look at this and make sure that it's being handled in the right way. So again, just a kind of a couple of key principles here. And the first one is the most simple, but um, often, even though it's incredibly simple, it's one that just we, we, we tend to forget. And it really, the, the first question that you need to ask is, what does this verse actually say? I think sometimes we jump to what it means. I think sometimes we jump to how it makes me feel, what I think it's telling me to do. But what does it say? So in verse 14, what we have, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land, heal their land. Let's just go back to just kind of simple, basic reading comprehension. What we have here is a if then sentence, you know, you know, if I exercise and and eat less I, then i will lose weight if if i get in a car and go north i will end up in missouri if i am nice to my spouse she will then she will be nice to me like we under, all understand the idea of an if then if i do this then this will happen and so that that's essentially what we have here we've got an if then construction and i think it's important for us to understand that this is a sentence this is written, like, and what is he saying? So we've got this if then. So if my people, and then we're, we're going to come back to that, who are called by my name, we'll also come back to that, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked way. So here's our if. If the people who are called by my name, whoever it is we're talking about, we don't know yet. That's important for us to understand. We don't know who this verse is talking to yet. But whoever they are, these people, if they will, one, humble themselves, two, pray, three, seek his face, and turn from their wicked ways. If they will do those four things, then I, whoever that is, will hear from heaven, one, forgive their sin, two, and heal their land. So if the people, whoever they are, will do these four things, then I, whoever is speaking, will hear, forgive, and heal. He will do three things. So it's a conditional clause here. If these people do these four things, then this other guy will do these three things. And so we have to, so now I think we understand the basic sentence construction. And I think that's really important to slow down and make sure that we even understand that much. I understand what this is saying. What it is saying is, is that the, the, my people who are called by my name, if they do these four things, then then, then I, whoever this is, will do these three things. So what does it say? I think we got some idea about what, what it says. And now we have to ask then the next question, what does this mean? And the way to figure out what it means is to ask questions and then try to find the answers. And very often the, the answers are going to be found in the context. And so I've already hinted at a couple of these really significant questions. If my people who are called by my name, who is that? 
And who is this I that will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal the land? That's probably the easiest one. You probably pretty intuitive there. Probably, you know, that that's talking about God. And if you look in the context, you just kind of scroll up a little bit or turn the page or just look higher in the page. You'll go to verse 11, where this kind of this passage starts. When Solomon, who's Solomon, you might wonder, we'll skip that and just, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll just give that. This is the third king of Israel had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace. Oh, okay, 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 okay. We got the third king of Israel, a guy named Solomon. He's just built God's temple, the first temple that Israel ever had. He's just finished building the temple and had succeeded and carried out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace. So he's built the temple. He's built his own palace. And okay, this is the context we're in. The third king of Israel, the Lord appeared to him at night and said. So we've got God speaking to Solomon right after the building of the temple. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. So he is responding to this act that Solomon has done to build this temple and to pray and to ask God to be a part of it. And God says, I hear you and I want this to be my temple. Verse 13 when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Okay, so based on this context of what we're talking about now, who are my people who are called by my name? He's talking about the Israelites after they have built the temple. That's who he's talking about. And now what we've also seen by going back and reading just a few verses earlier, we are seeing that. There is, in this if-then, there's actually another predicate to that. Basically, what it says in verse 13 is, when I take your land and make it where there's some sort of drought or locust or some sort of plague, when some sort of plague or drought hits the land that I've given you, so something bad has happened, God personally is sending a drought or some sort of plague or bugs or something to destroy the Israel's farmland. Okay. So that's the context. And so verse 14, if my people who are called by my name, who is he talking about? He's talking about the people of Israel. Those are the people who are called by his name, his chosen people, Israel. So if they find themselves in a situation where their land has been devoured by locusts, if their land has been hit by a plague, if their land has been in a drought, then if those people, the Israelites, will, will, will humble themselves, will pray, seek his face, turn from wickedness, then he will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Well, now this is starting to make a little bit more sense. It's starting to make a little more sense because we asked a question. Who is my people? What is talking? Who's talking here? What's going on? And by doing that, we got a little context, and now we can understand this a little bit better. And we'll just kind of read it a little bit differently. If there's a plague, when there is some sort of plague, if Israel will humble themselves, pray, seek God's face, turn from their sin, then God will hear them, will forgive their sin, and will heal the land. Heal the land. Well, that makes sense. The land has been destroyed by locusts or a plague or drought. And if they will humble themselves and ask for forgiveness, then God will heal them. 
So essentially here in the timeline of what's being talked about here, what God's saying is there's, there's going to come some point where you guys are so disobedient to me as my people that I am going to curse your land. So you will no longer be able to farm on your land. And when that happens, you will need to pray and ask for forgiveness. And if you will do that, I'll one, forgive you. I'll hear one, two, forgive. And three, I will bring back healing to your land. I will get rid of the plague. I will bring rain, whatever it needs for you to have usable land again in Israel. So I think that is a very straightforward thing. And I think that was a, probably a really important promise and thing for Israel to understand. Hey, there's going to come some time in the future where we're going to turn away from God. And one of the things that he's going to do is he's going to hurt our land. And if he does that, we have a very clear answer here as to what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be humble, pray, seek God, and turn from whatever sin got us in trouble in the first place. And then he will hear us, forgive us, and heal our land. And so I think we have done a good job up until this point to understand, okay, what is this saying? What does it mean? Okay, now we've got a really solid understanding of what this verse means. This is a promise, a conditional promise made to Israel of what they're supposed to do if their sin has led their land to be cursed. Perfect. Now, question number three, we've already asked, what does it say? What does it mean? In what way does this verse apply to me? Now, this is really, really important. Genesis to Revelation, you are reading the Bible, you are hearing a sermon, and you are trying to figure out, like, to the degree, like, how do I apply this? Your ability to apply a passage depends on what you have in common with the person that it's being written to. One of my favorite verses to kind of use as an illustration here is found in 2 Timothy 4, where Paul is talking to Timothy. And what Paul says to Timothy is this. He wants him to come see him. He says, and when you come see me, I want you to go to Troas and pick up my cloak and also my books and especially these particular parchments. So this is a command that Paul is giving. Hey, I want you to go to, to give my cloak in Troas and get my cloak, my books, and my parchments. And so my question is, how do you apply that verse? Well, Paul no longer has a cloak in Troas, and you don't have access to it. And all the books and parchments that Paul ever had long disintegrated a long time ago. You have no ability to apply that verse because bah, 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 um, you are not an actual person living at the same time as Paul who has access to his stuff. Now, there's some principles there. If you understand the book of Second Timothy, Basically, it's all in the context of, of Paul encouraging Timothy to be more bold. But as far as the physical act that are being commanded here, you don't have anything in common with Timothy at this point. Now, the book as a whole is talking about a guy who's a pastor. So I've got some more things to apply because I'm a pastor. But really, he's talking to anybody who might be discouraged in their faith. And so I've got that. In, I may not be a pastor. I might not have access to Paul's books. But I am someone who from time to time might get discouraged in my faith or in my walk with God. All right, lead us back here to our verse that we've been looking at here in 2 Chronicles 7.14. These are God's people chosen specifically by God um, to be his people, his chosen people. That's who he's talking about. 
what do you have in common with, with, with them? Now, again, I referenced this before. Um, a lot of this is used in patriotic talk, that this is a verse that America needs to apply. And so then the belief then is that America has something in common with Israel. And so what does America have in um, common with Israel? Okay. They are both geopolitical nations. That's it. That's it. Israel has a special covenant with God, and that special covenant involves a promised land. America does not have either of those things. There is no particular covenant that America has made with God, and there is no promised land that God has given America. So to be able to use this verse in the context, in connection with America, is not good because we don't have anything in common with them except being a geopolitical state. So whatever, if we all, oh, but, but then it would be true, we should be still because we're both countries. And but if, so we use it this way. Um, if it's true for us, it's also true of Saudi Arabia. If it's true of Saudi Arabia, it's true of Iran, it's true of any, it's true of Russia, it's true of China, um, where, where people get off. And it's not necessarily what, I, what I'm going to spend a whole lot of time talking about. What people get wrong is, is they begin to believe that America has inherited the promises of Israel because we are somehow some sort of special elite nation. And there just isn't any theological justification for that. Regardless of what you think about the founding of America, there, there is no sense in which we have any clear authority that somehow God inspired this in some way, or that we have some sort of special covenant relationship with God in the way that Israel did. There's no evidence of that. You shouldn't believe it. And if there's any group that has inherited those sorts of promises, it would not be America or any particular nation state. It would be the church. And so maybe the church, the church, America has almost nothing in common with Israel. The church has a little bit more in common with Israel. You know, the, the church is God's people and we are called by his name. Okay. All right. So this is us. Then you have to go to verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land, send a plague along my people. So the premise here is that if somehow we, God's people, ended up being cursed or plagued somehow because of our sin. So again, the question would be, do we as the church have the same sort of covenant promise where um, we as God's people, if we do wrong, God will curse land? Well, he's never promised the church any land. There is no, there is no land for the church. Church doesn't have any land to be cursed. And Jesus kind of broke that cycle that our relationship with God is you do good, you get cursed. You do, you do bad, you get cursed. You do good, you get blessed. Um, these were all things that were meant to point us to a different relationship with God through Jesus, where Jesus took all the curses upon himself. And so we don't have any land to get cursed. So we don't really have that much in common with them at all. But we are people and we can do wrong and we can have like a problem in our relationship with God because of our sin, even if it's not cursed land. So we have that in common. And so, yeah, okay, so we've got a little bit in common. We've got a relationship with God that can go bad through sin. So what can we say? If Charlie, a part of God's church, when things get bad because of his sin, will humble himself and pray and seek God's face and turn from my sin 
God will hear me, forgive me, and heal me. If anybody is land, it's, it's the only land would be us individually. And so I think it's just going to take, it just takes a lot more work than I think than some of us are willing to do to really understand the complexities of some of these verses. Some verses are just going to be a lot more simple. Jesus is talking to just regular people and you're just a regular person. Paul is talking to Christians in general, but I think it is always going to be of critical importance for us to ask and answer the question, what do I have in common with these people? Because then it can help me to really understand how it applies to me. So as you are trying to understand, read, and apply the scriptures for yourself, or you are hearing somebody use a verse, or you're hearing somebody talk, it's really important that, that you ask these three questions. And if you're hearing somebody talk about the scripture, do you really believe that they are going through these three really important steps? Do they really understand what the verse is saying? Do they really understand? Have they really thought about what it means? And have they gone that, done that extra work to make sure that we understand the differences and similarities between us and the people who are, who were originally being given the command, the promise, told the story to, et cetera. And if we can do that, if we can just go through those very three simple steps, you don't have to have a seminary degree to be that. You don't have to be super smart to know any of that. Just three simple steps. What does this say? What does it mean? And how does it apply to me? Because based on what I have in common with the people that this was first told to, then you will be able to unlock for yourself at a deeper, more powerful, in a deeply more powerful way, the authority and power of God's inspired, God-breathed word. And as always, thanks so much for joining us. If you got any questions about that, I'd love to hear them. Uh, email me at charlie at thegrovechurch.org. And we would love to see you on a Sunday. If you're in Northwest Arkansas, go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, find out everything that you need to know. And if you're not around here, we'd still love to know. We'd still love to know you're around. We'd love to see you. You can shoot us a note. Or you can join us uh, online. We stream our services every Sunday morning at 1030 Central Time. We would love to connect with you in any way possible. And again, I'm Charlie Lofton, lead pastor there. And thanks for joining us in our Cultivate podcast.